right, what's going on, everybody? Um, welcome to Macabre Masters. Um, I'm Pope, and as always, I'm joined by my awesome co-host, Original Nick and Noah. And today, we're going to talk about something really interesting. The second um, episode of our Serial Killer series. We're going to talk about the main serial killer, basically in history, the one that everybody knows about, and that is uh, the one and only Barney the Purple Do- uh, Charles Manson. <laughs> Um, so with that said, uh, before we go into Charles, of course, uh, how are you guys doing tonight? You having a good night so far? Yeah, I'm doing pretty great. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing well. Can't complain. That's uh, that's all I got. <laughs> you guys fucking kill me every time I do this. Okay. <laughs> I'm not leading any more episodes. Poop and NFT. I'm doing really great tonight. <laughs> good. Okay. So do doing great. All right. So, um... For those of you who aren't in the know, and I don't know why you wouldn't be, uh, Charles Manson is one of the most famous serial killers of all time. But what makes him actually very interesting is that a lot of the murders that were attributed to him, he actually did not perform himself. Mm -hmm. And it's very instructive of the law because there's a lot of uh, law that goes into the idea of causing somebody's death without actually directly causing it. So... If I, you know, talk, if I paid uh, Nick $100 to pay Noah, then uh, Nick and I would both go to jail for the murder of Noah. So it's really interesting in that. But Charles Manson, also the reason was because in the 60s, when the, the Manson family murders happened, it caused a just shitstorm in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason being was because one of the um, murders that they did. It wasn't the only murder. It is the most famous, though, was when they went to the house of Sharon Tate. Um, Sharon Tate was... uh, She was the wife of Roman Polanski at the Mm -hmm. time. She was pregnant with their child. and uh, But Roman Polanski was actually in Europe, I believe, shooting a movie when it happened. And so what happened is uh, Manson's, you know, family... They're called the family, although they aren't really biologically related. Um, they went and they uh, killed everybody in the house. And so in the house was Sharon Tate. There was also uh, Abigail Folger, who was the heiress to the Folger fortune, which uh, I'm actually drinking Folger coffee right now. That's what she was the heiress of, and she was killed. And Shout then out, also, Folger. Uh, uh, this episode is brought to you by Folger. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, this episode is brought to you by Folger Coffee. My Maxwell House. It's it's as dark as our history. Um, <laughs> by Maxwell House. That's hilarious. Um, so also there was a world famous hairdresser who was very awesomely played by Davy Havoc of AFI in the Live Freaky Die Freaky movie, and um, there was also a Russian guy that I forget his name off the top of my head who was dating Abigail Folger. Now, what made these uh, important besides the celebrity aspect of it? was also that there was everything involved that you could conceivably want in a weird situational murder. Like there were drugs involved, there were like the, there was there was rumors of Sharon Tate cheating on Roman Polanski with like this this hairdresser guy. There was like all this other stuff. And so it just caught the United States and especially Hollywood on fire. And what's interesting is after it happened, they didn't find Charles Manson for a very long time. Uh, nor his family. 
Every time I say family in this episode, please imagine me doing bunny ears. We're not doing video today, <laughs> so just imagine me doing bunny ears. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were not really his family. Um, and it caused like a lot, like people in Hollywood, like it was like a COVID-19 lockdown. Like people would not leave their house if they were even slightly famous. They were afraid of being targeted by whoever these people were. But the interesting thing also is that they did not only kill celebrities. Mm-hmm. Um, later, the people who were involved got questioned about it, and they said that they picked Sharon Tate's house because it was isolated. That's it. That was the reason. That was the reason Sharon Tate died, because mm-hmm. her house was isolated. That's Moral crazy. of the story? Live in an apartment. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I, I mean, yeah. that's what happened. And so Charles Manson um, and his family, they they became some of the most well-known serial killers in the 60s. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is their body count isn't even really that high, or at least their confirmed body count. Now, Charles Manson was a very braggadocious man. He died in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick is going to actually talk a little bit about kind of like the present day um, a little bit later, but he's a very braggadocious guy, so he'd talk about killing people all the time, but a lot of that isn't necessarily confirmed. What is confirmed is the La, Bian- the La Bianca murders, which uh, were they owned a grocery store, and the Tate murders and a few other random ones out in Death Valley. Hmm. So... That's kind of the executive description of Charles Manson and kind of what's going on with him. Now, Noah, wh- what do you know about Charles Manson? Um, so I watched a film called Charlie Says, which uh, is there's a bit of controversy about it, sort of, only because the um, the ideas and themes weren't really delved into very deeply. It kind of scratched the surface about everything, but it was more focused on the family aspect uh, again quote unquote um family more like cult members cuz um one thing that he that Manson uh is most well known for or besides the whole you know organizing murders is that he basically had a cult out in the I don't know exactly where the uh the ranch was but Spawn Ranch It was ranch. in Death Valley. It was in Death Valley? Yeah, Spawn Ranch out in Death Valley. Okay. Um and it was it was the film kind of went over um the the couple of the young women who were tried and uh imprisoned for the murders um and it kind of had like it had aspects of of the the time that they were in prison and and how the person who met with them and kind of talked to them and tried to help uh uh de um deprogram them i suppose uh was working with them it kind of talked like showed that aspect but it also showed a lot of the backstory and stuff um but it wasn't really as much about manson as it was about like the people he affected which i thought was very interesting because i mean manson is a complex guy but like it's almost more complex when you look at the the situation as a whole and um and uh it's it's very interesting to see how his uh, actions affected um and how, like the the women and the young men that he he kind of uh, took into his arms, he, he was like a very charismatic guy, but he was also like super full of himself. Like, dude was just weird all around. Um, but 
that's, I mean, I don't know what else you want me to say. So one thing about Charles Manson that's very interesting, and also um, I should have said before we got started that I bet $20 that somebody's going to say Marilyn Manson by accident at the end of this podcast. <laughs> um, but is that Charles Manson, if you listen to him talk or if you listen to any of his quotes, he is either he was either a genius or he was crazy. Um, he was a professional manipulator, as Noah um, alluded to. Mm-hmm. He was a- amazing manipulator. He actually like used to squat at one of the members of the Beach Boys, uh, Brian Jones, Brian Adams, something like that. One of the members of the Beach Boys' house, like he just like conned him. And then Spawn Ranch, he uh, had one of his followers, a young girl, um, not that young, she's like nineteen, but he was the the guy who owned Spawn Ranch was old. Like basically move in with him, and be like essentially like his like wife slash call girl slash all that other stuff, because Manson uh, and was had a plan in motion to kill this guy and have uh, her inherit Spawn Ranch, so mm. he could have it. So he was very very smart, and uh, maybe what wasn't smart was that he didn't plan for contingencies. <laughs> Uh, in a lot of cases, you can see that a lot of the crimes that were done in his name or done by him were very clumsily done. Mm. Um, he wasn't a professional, like, somebody that you think of, like, uh, like along the lines of maybe, um, you know, uh, Ted Bundy or, you know, one of those guys. He was, he was an amateur hour. But the main thing about Manson that was interesting is that, like, it was like uh, he wanted to be more of a badass than he really was. Yeah. Mm. But... He was very good at convincing people that he was. Yeah. And so, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, it's like, it. I mean, if if the portrayals of the women in the movie were accurate to how they um, they were affected in real life, he like their whole life revolved around him. He was basically their god. Like, he preached that there were five angels, and four of them were the Beatles, and one of them was him, you know? like from the book of revelations i mean like he saw himself in such in this like exaggerated light and because of that and because of this power he had over these women uh, it was mostly women um there were a couple guys but not many um but they just saw him as this god and like everything he said was fact and like obviously there are pro- there are probably points where they might have questioned him but he somehow turned it back on them and like made them think that they were in the wrong you know he was like every every sort of manipulative term you can think of gaslighting all that good stuff he was definitely making making good use out of that to get these people to just believe every single word of his so one thing i actually want to do is uh i pulled some manson quotes because like i said like if you listen to him like he's either a genius or he's crazy um and so what i'm gonna do is there's a movie called Live Freaky, Die Freaky, where Billy Joe Armstrong, who is the lead singer of Green Day, plays a puppet Charles Manson named Charles Hansen. And so I'm going to read just a few Charles Manson quotes in the voice from Live Freaky, Die Freaky. You guys ready? (laughs) ready. It's going to be fun. Uh, Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, all right. I don't feel bad making fun of this guy. He's a serial killer. Okay, I'm cool with this. Pope presents quotes. By Charles Manson. <laughs> Look down at me and you see a fool. Look up at me and you see a god. Look straight at me and you see yourself. That's literally a Charles Manson quote. That sounds okay. about right. <laughs> yeah. 
Total paranoia is just total awareness. Okay, there's another. Uh, let me see. I'm nobody. I'm a tramp, a bum, a hobo. I'm a boxcar and a jug of wine and a straight razor. If you get too close to me. <laughs> uh, let me see. Uh, in my mind's eye, my thoughts light fires in your cities. Uh, that's another one. Uh, no sense makes sense. I like that one. That one's a good one. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. One last one. All right. Because this one applies. I, I own beetle milk, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you're going to do something, do it well and leave something witchy. That's literally, <laughs> that's literally what he said. Okay. So thank you. That was Pope saying Charles Manson uh, quotes in the voice from Live Freaky, Die Freaky. Beautiful. Um, now, um, Nick, you did a little bit of research. And so yep. uh, while I don't want to get into the current, because we haven't really gotten into too many hard facts during this just yet, but I did want to um, ask you a similar question that I asked Noah. Like, what's your impression on Charles Manson? What's kind of like your impression on his life and on him as a person? So I have I, I kind of have like flashbacks. I know this is going to sound crazy, but um, here in the city that I live in, it's right next to a really big college in the state of Georgia. And there's a homeless guy, okay, and he does meth, and he sounds exactly like Charles Manson. And when I tell you, he thinks that uh, this city is, like, the center of evil. I'm having, like, I'm trying to research Manson, but I keep having, and he even kind of looks like him, too. He's crazy. <laughs> so he keeps coming in here and saying, like, this city's the center of evil. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, the mother uh, and God and Jesus and... They're the four queens, and then that's when the midwives come in, and it's exactly like that. So <clears throat> I think that my impression of him is that he might have been, uh, you know, mentally ill or disturbed. Mm. Uh, this guy that I see every single day come into my shop and come bother me for, you know, 30 minutes to an hour, um, it, it reminds me exactly like him. And I think that... Um, I think mental health has a big problem, a big thing with it too. I think we talked about that in our first um, serial killer episode with Ed Gein, yeah, <clears throat> with Ed Gein, and I think that uh, it's something that around the time you know wasn't talked about. Um, another thing is that he also gained a lot of fans. We talked about, I think we alluded to Ted Bundy uh, having a lot of fans. So I think he had a big cultural impact as well i think he changed the world or changed america anyway um more so than i think that uh he realizes but also less in the world because when i was researching i looked down at some of the comments and one of the guys was like i'm taiwanese and no one from my country cares about it so i'm looking at world history and i mean this was something that happened to americans mm. so um he had so, uh, uh, another impact in he had a strong environmental uh, view. I, it it basically was ecoterrorism um, or counter ecoterrorism. I'm not sure. They blew up uh, or not blew up. They sabotaged uh, machines. Uh, uh, you know, digging machines and stuff. So I think oh. he just. I think some of the media. Now this is gonna sound crazy. I am not advocating for Manson at all. I do think the media uh, portrayed him one-sidedly. I think a lot of the questions they asked him were all of the negative things. I'm sure there was something good in him at some point. 
Um, cause he did care about the environment. I think that he cared about the earth a lot. Um, maybe a little bit too much, but, uh, nonetheless, I do think that, uh, the way they were, the, the media portrayed him was extremely, maybe n- not one sided, but you know, they kind of demonized it. That sounds, it sounds like I'm like defending the guy. No, I, I hate him. And I think that it was awful what he did, but not a fan. I'm just saying, um, he did have, well, a, I, I think yeah. it's fully possible to take somebody who is so well-known mm. and so well-known for heinous crimes and try to look at them as a full 3D human, right? Yeah. I think yeah. that's that fully makes sense. Charles Manson was not just the murders that he partook in. Like, he mm-hmm. had an entire life. Um, a lot like Ed Gein, he was um, pretty disturbed. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had a rough childhood, and he spent most of his childhood in prison for fuck's sake. You know, like these things all are factors. Mm-hmm. And um, that's one thing that I I do feel is very interesting is that like a lot of times when when we're talking in modern society about people, like even take take the biggest, take Hitler. Mm-hmm. You know, Hitler is the big bad. Like you are not allowed to say that Hitler had any redeemable qualities. Yeah. The thing is, is that Hitler was a three-dimensional human. Yeah. And he probably, if you weren't Jewish, and you (laughs) sat down at a party with him, I'm sure you probably could have a perfectly normal conversation with Adolf Hitler. Yeah. Right? Mm. And um, and it's because he was three-dimensional. Now, does that forgive anything that happened? No. 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 Of course not. Does that mean that like they should be looked back on or you know retroactively forgiven for the stuff that happened? Mm-hmm. No, no, of course not. What it means is that like if you take every person who does bad stuff, first of all, if you take every person that does bad stuff and condemn them automatically, you are condemning everybody, <laughs> including yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're now we're just talking about matters of scale. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So if you run a red light, obviously it's a different scale than if you participate in the Manson family murders and kill a pregnant woman yeah. and paint, you know, weird, crazy stuff all over her walls and her blood. Yeah. Um, which uh, we'll get a little bit more into the Sharon Tate murders uh, and the La Bianca murders in a little bit. But my point is, is so, so Nick, like I, I see you kind of trying to protect yourself you know, because you don't want, I know, I get I, it. You don't want people yeah. after hearing this recording to be like, man, original Nick, that <laughs> motherfucker's a Charles Manson sympathizer. Yeah, Manson sympathizer. I, well, there's a word for it, and I heard it recently. Um, it's called Sonder. I don't know if it's real or not, but it's the realization that each random passerby is living uh, a life as vivid and complex as your own. Um, and that's been sticking with me lately. Uh, after you said we start looking into all these things, you know, if we look at it from our perspective, uh, each person is just that one thing. Like I go to work and uh, the people that I manage to me, they are just, you know, not just, but they are a person that I see. And then there's like a realization that, Oh, you know, they woke up one day and turned 18 and had a really big birthday. Oh, they turned 21 and they did really cool stuff. They have a completely full life and are experiencing in a similar way that I am just them. And I think it's, I don't know. I've been like stuck on that and I've been thinking about people differently lately. And I don't know if it's a real word. People keep saying, you know, there's like, Oh, is it an actual word? But, um, 
I just think it's a really interesting concept. I mean, I think that helped me kind of realize that, you know, that like you were saying, Manson is a three-dimensional human being. I think it's really easy to fall into this trap, and especially today, mm. where you want to take somebody, and you actually see it a lot in popular culture too, where people, like somebody will say something bad on Twitter, or um, they'll say something stupid on Twitter that they shouldn't have said, and then suddenly like the whole idea is that they're this monster you know, who hates whatever group and they want all this stuff. And it's just not that fucking simple. Yeah. So, mm. um, I, mean, I don't know. It's, that's obviously a lesser degree of what has happened here. Like, you know, sometimes you make a bad tweet and it's, it's not cool. And then like 10 years later, people see it and you're like, Oh shit, I was a different person back then. And like, they all, cancel you or whatever but like it is a little bit different when you when you (laughs) instruct people to murder um innocent people so like obviously it's there's a difference but it is it is a similar concept yeah so to that idea our lovely beautiful amazing listeners might actually not be aware of the most famous crime that charles manson took part in um and he was mostly kind of the planning behind this murder. Um, There are murders that he did do um, by himself. Apparently out in Death Valley, he shot a man in cold blood, shot him in the head, and buried him out there in the desert, and they never found him. Um, Like, apparently that happened. So that's not to say that Charles Manson was innocent of all wrongdoing, because he definitely did that, and then he also directed the other stuff. So with that said... Let's talk a little bit about the Sharon Tate murders. Mm-hmm. So what happened was uh, one night they went out scouting. The family went out scouting, and they found an isolated house out in the Hollywood Hills. Their goal for this operation was twofold. It was Actually, it was really onefold. It was they wanted to bring attention to Charles Manson's philosophy, Charles Manson's philosophy was the idea of helter-skelter, okay? Yeah. Now, helter-skelter, I had an understanding of it that I think might be wrong now, but I believe it means a race war. Yeah, pretty and, much. Okay, cool. So, because I, I know I got parts of that wrong when we talked about this initially. So, helter-skelter is a race war. Charles Manson believed that basically there would be a race war, um, and then he would be installed as the leader of the winner. So, um, they, what they ended up doing was they found this house, which was turned out to be Sharon Tate's house and they went in there and they killed a a guy on the way in. He was trying to sell a radio to somebody who was staying in the pool room and they killed him in his car. And then after that, they walked into the actual house and they killed everybody in there. Now, when I say they killed them, the thing that made this such an extraordinarily interesting murder was actually the brutality of it. Yeah. Dude, Sharon Tate was stabbed like, God, she wasn't like 18 times or something. Yeah. I think like, it was around yeah, 20 was times. Pretty ridiculous number. <clears throat> and they told, they told police investigators later, um, by the way, what I'm about to say is very disturbing. So skip ahead 20 seconds. If you can't deal with really disturbing stuff. Okay. They told investigators later, that um that they had wanted to actually cut open Sharon Tate's stomach and pull the fetus out, but they didn't have time. Right? 
So, I mean, like, really disturbing stuff. But what they did was they killed everybody, and they didn't just, like... So the thing is, is like, it takes one stab wound to kill somebody, okay? Right. One stab mm-hmm. to the throat, they're dead. One stab to the correct organ, they're dead. These guys went in. It was brutal, right? Then they painted the walls and their blood. They wrote things on the wall, like war, mm-hmm. on the La Bianca's uh, refrigerator or something. They wrote Helter Skelter. On uh, LaBianca himself, they cut open his stomach, eviscerated him, and then wrote war on his chest, right? So they wrote all these, like, really crazy things on there. And the reason actually – oh, another thing was they actually painted a uh, a paw print because they tried to get the Black Panthers pinned for the crime. Oh, lovely. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting fact that I found out after reading Helter Skelter. I'd forgotten about that. Uh, so they were trying to, one, make a political message that wasn't very well put together because they were a bunch of drugged out people from Death <laughs> Valley in a cult. Yeah. Um, but then secondly, <laughs> trying to not even pin it on themselves. Uh, it's really interesting. And the way they ended up getting caught was really through, honestly, sheer stupidity. And part of it was actually um, Sadie. Sadie Maglutz which is not her real name. Uh, Susan Atkins was her real name. Yeah. Uh, Charles Manson gave her the name Sadie Mae Glutz. And what happened was she was in prison and started bragging to the person in the cell with her. <laughs> like, she's like, yo, you hear about the Sharon Tate murders? The other person's like, who didn't? She's like, yeah, we yeah, did that. I did that. You know what I mean? <laughs> that was me. I was, And she, like, gave them all the details and stuff like that. And so, like, they self-incriminated. But what also is interesting is before that happened, Charles Manson had them trained. And so they would go into police investigations and give non-answers or fake answers or other stuff. And it just kind of broke down when Sadie Mae Glutz started bragging about it in prison. But if you read Helter Skelter, another thing that's interesting is it took so long to catch him because of police incompetence. Hmm. Um, they didn't connect the the murders uh, at the Tate house with the La Bianca murders, even though there were a lot of features of interest that were in common. Mm. Sounds and, about right for the, sounds about par for the course for the LAPD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, it's just, guys, I cannot express how fascinating it is. Now, one thing about it is that uh, you guys might remember from the Ed Gein episode, one thing we discussed is the sexiness of the crime, right? So Ed Gein... He's not as well-known as some of these people. And the reason was because it wasn't sexy. As I said in that one, he was obsessed with his mom. He missed her. He basically wanted to wear her skin. He killed, like, two women and then dug up a bunch of other corpses. And it was weird and disturbing, but not sexy. Charles Manson's was sexy. Charles Manson mm-hmm. had a cult in Death Valley where they had giant orgies all the time. Okay, mm-hmm. Charles Manson used to orchestrate these orgies like a composer on Fantasia. Okay? <laughs> <clears throat> it's 100% true. Dude was cray. Yeah. Okay? He killed one of the, he killed a Hollywood celebrity who was on her way up. Sharon Tate wasn't amazingly well-known at that time. She'd been in a few things. She's basically considered to be eye candy in the movie that she was in. Right. In the movies that she was in. But there was hopes for her to go further. Um, 
Abigail Folger, of course, there's to the Folger. Uh, Coffee Fortune. It's just, it was a sexy crime. It was a sexy crime, and it caught the attention of everybody. And that was Charles Manson's goal. He wanted to bring that attention. And um, there's aspects of his story that are really weird. Like, for example, the whole thing with the Beatles and his fixation with the mm. Beatles. Um, I don't really get that. Nick, do you do you understand that? Do you do you have that, or Noah? Either of you, do you understand the fixation with the Beatles? Because I never have understood that. I never understood it really either. Um, he kind of made a reference to it in uh, one of the 1993 interviews that I watched. Um, but that was only one that I watched like two minutes of because he just started rambling and I, I I couldn't do it. Also, it had Diane Sawyer in it, and I was like, "Wow, this is pretty old." So. I didn't. I didn't watch too much of it, but he he made a reference to uh, the Beatles in that one. Uh, in that one, I I started to write down what he started to say, but then he just kept going on. It's pretty long. He's like, "If you're in one mind, if I am you and you are me, and we are all together, and then who's responsible for?" Uh, then he kind of paused and he said, "Come together over me right now." Um, and then he started rambling on some more. <laughs> so I don't know. He just kept re- referencing the Beatles. Um, I, I didn't I was say come together wasn't rambling. That's actual assault. Yeah, that's but the then he said, uh, then after that, he said, la da 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 da. It's all his fault. Oh no, it's his fault. We put another false face on. It's Halloween. It's your fault. So that's him. I, I'll go into it later, but he really likes to put, you know, if someone starts to, like saying, hey, why'd you do this? He starts going, oh, so now it's just all my fault. You know, what about these people who did that? So he's, he's that kind of guy. Um, so that's the only reference that I saw. Let's uh let's play a game. Okay, I want to play a game. I want to <laughs> kind of break up the monotony a little bit and play a game. You guys ready to play a game? Yes. Yeah, let's let's do it. Can the view, right, can cool. the listeners play at home? Yes. You know what? They can play it at home as right. well, and they can call our phone number, which I'll have in the show notes or no, I'll have in the <laughs> show notes. Whoever edits this episode, they can call in the phone number and give us a submission, and we will play the best one on the podcast. <laughs> Here's the game. <clears throat> you have ten seconds to come up with a Manson quote that you made up that sounds like something Manson would say. Oh, my God. Okay? All right. Okay. You have 10 seconds. So, Noah, I want you to go first. <laughs> and what you're going to do is I'm going to give you a few seconds. So you're going you, so to have 10 seconds to speak, but I'm going to give you three seconds to think of it because oh Manson didn't have a lot of time before he mm. got killed. Okay? Is there a prompt? Uh, is there a question? Or Nope. There's a, Okay, so, yes, the prompt is this, okay? All right. The prompt is why did you kill those people? Okay, so three seconds to think of what you're going to say. Oh, God. <laughs> Go. We live in the now, you man. You know, we just, we follow our, follow our instincts. We just do what, <laughs> what life tells us to do. We just, we don't, we don't, you know, we don't follow any sort of preconceived rules. We, we make our own rules. <laughs> Dude, that was really good. That sounds like something he would have said. All right, well Thank done. You. Very good. And they're like, All what right, the Nick. fuck, dude? Come on, just, uh, just okay. answer the damn question. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. <laughs> All right. Okay, let me know yeah, when you to, got... let me know when to start. All right, go. In the book of Revelation, there are three there are three seats on the th- 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 three thrones, and around it, sitting around it, there are four queens, and these are my four queens, and they're going to go out, and they're going to do my bidding, because to them, I am God, and, and to me, God is me, and if you look at me, and you... <laughs> No, I almost did. I almost did. If you look up at me, when you see me, I am God, basically. So, <laughs> damn it, I lost it at the end. <laughs> it's all right. Okay, so I'm gonna give myself three two, seconds. Probably. I think I've already. I, I've 
Huh? I said he said he lost it at the end, and I said he did too, probably. Probably. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna give myself three seconds. I'm still gonna do it in the Billy Joe voice. Uh. All right, here goes. <clears throat> Life is nothing but a typewriter, and I am the finger that points down on the typewriter <laughs> and types the word G. The beginning of God, the end of dog, and the beginning of everything. And all I know is that one day the beginning will become the end, and at the end I will be there waiting with open arms. Oh my gosh. For the prophet. Where's Manson in here? Please get him out of here. I thought he died. <laughs> He's back. <laughs> you know, it really hurts my actually hurts my throat to do that nasty voice. <laughs> that was really good. That was really good. That was, that was pretty solid. <laughs> now go ahead I was and looking at my <laughs> go on Twitter and rank us who did best <laughs> and who did worst. <laughs> Who who did it best? Leave a leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts yeah. and tell us. And with Mothman's um, blessing, we might respond. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was looking at my keyboard and I was like, oh well, how can I incorporate a keyboard? And so I was like, well, he was in the sixties, so they probably had typewriters. Um, Cole Beans. So that was Imitate Manson. Um, well done, guys. Thank you very much. Uh, that was wonderful. So, do I get my Audi now, now or? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do you have the tax money? No. Yeah, you don't get your Audi. Damn it. Suck a fuck. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> noted. <laughs> Duly noted, good sir. Duly noted. So, uh, Charles Manson, of course, um, went on to become one of the most famous serial killers in history. He is a pop culture icon. Whether you like it or not, he is... Um, he obviously, his name went on to inspire the musician Marilyn Manson. Um, he <laughs> is, uh, his music, he was a musician, a shitty musician. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but he, his music has been covered. Marilyn Manson, the aforementioned musician, um, who I would be a fan of if he wasn't a woman beater. <laughs> um, sorry. I, I shouldn't just, laugh I, at I that. I'm sh I shouldn't laugh. That's messed the up. The bad girl's room. The bad girl's room. Yeah, fuck Brian Warner. Anyway, point being, point being, allegedly fuck Brian Warner. Um, uh, I retract my statements if he's found in court by a jury of his peers to that not be true. But uh, I have a strong feeling it's going to be found to be true. Yeah. Um, so, with that said, uh, Marilyn Manson actually covered a Charles Manson song called "I Believe My Monkey." Um, a few other people have covered his songs. He is. Um, He's just so, so well-known. And if you think about it, like the actual time frame of the murders and how many murders he did wasn't that large. But I cannot stress enough throughout this podcast that at the time it captured the attention and imagination of everyone. That's crazy because, yeah. I mean, I just want to like interject for a second. It's crazy that that was such a big – I mean, I guess it makes sense it was such a big story, but like – 1969 we landed on the moon twice <laughs> like how was that like the one of the other big stories you know i don't know i mean i guess it makes sense it's just like we landed on the moon twice in that year man i feel like people would have been talking about that way more that's more impressive but i agree entirely that it is much more impressive <laughs> to land on the moon people like people like macabre stuff otherwise we wouldn't be here <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and I, I I don't know. I have this theory that people find macabre stuff very sexy. I just do. 
Um, I think that it's a fact of life that that's what people find it. And it doesn't help when three handsome gentlemen like ourselves are hosting Ooh, right, of course. A, a, a thing about it. So <laughs> uh, refer to our YouTube channel for more information <laughs> on handsomeness. If I could oh, maybe put in, uh, maybe my two cents in, I think. Yeah, of course. I think what happens. No, Nick. Fine, I'll just stay in my place. Um, <laughs> to me, I think that yes, it is more impressive that we landed on the moon. The problem is, I think we as humans are very selfish, uh, especially on on uh, average. I'm not going to say that we, the three of us, but Americans are more selfish than uh, some other other people. Oh, yeah. Um, like compared to like the Japanese who literally, if you talk on the train, you're getting dirty looks. Um, and here we're like walking and talking and on the phone and bumping into people. Um, so I think what happened is while the moon landing was impressive, it didn't affect someone specifically. It, it didn't affect, um, a, a whole society. And I think that, uh, when it came to, it was really close to home. You know, sure, we landed on the moon, but the moon's far away. Uh, someone who could be in L.A. killing you, I mean, that's a little bit closer to home. It's a metropolitan area. There's thousands of people there. I think that they kind of got selfish and were like, oh, my gosh, okay, I'm next. When is he going to mm. come get me? I mean, even uh, Pope said that um, that uh, a lot of the uh, Hollywood uh, actors were like, oh, I'm not going outside. So I yeah, think... they stayed in. Yeah, I think... So I think it th that... People uh, got a little more selfish with, uh, you know, what was being portrayed. I guess that makes sense. An another thing, too, is um, have either of you ever been into the Hollywood Hills? Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not. I've never been out west. <laughs> yes. that's. Oh, nice. I've been to Montana. That's as far as I've been. OK. And but no, you have. Yeah. Cool. Now, if you go out there, um. I actually, I had a friend who lived in the Hollywood Hills, um, so I would go visit every once in a while. Good for that. A very good, nice guy named Jeff Colin. Great guy. Um, so the thing is, is that um, when you look at those houses out in the Hollywood Hills, when you look at that whole thing, it looks like nobody would ever have the balls to attack one of those places. It's, oh, yeah. You know, there a lot of them are like fortresses. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And some mm -hmm. of that actually might be a result of the Manson family murders in the 60s. You know, I, I mm -hmm. visited in the early 2000s or in the mid 2000s. But um, the uh, it's it's like you just look at it and it's like you go there and you think these are very wealthy people that have very interesting and fabulous lives and nothing bad ever happens to them. And that's just kind of the impression that you kind of have no choice but to have. And Manson kind of proved that wrong. Like, he kind of just completely threw that entire theory out of the window. I mean, they were having just, like, a hangout night at Sharon Tate's house and, you know, got slaughtered, yeah. you know? So I do think that that plays into it. And then another thing is, too, is, okay, if – you got these Hollywood people who, for all intents and purposes, are immortal, right? Pretty much. I mm -hmm. mean, we, you know, we don't think about them dying. Rest in peace, Betty White and Bob oh. uh, Saget. Mm, rip in peace. Um, they, uh, we don't like to think about that. But if they can get slaughtered and attacked and murdered, then what about us? Yeah. What about the little people? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we're fucked, right? Yeah. Like. 
And I think there was a combination of that that was also at play. Um, I mean, it's very rarely that you hear about celebrities getting killed. You yeah. hear about them dying because people die, but you ne- almost never hear about them getting killed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why. I think it's a part of the mystique of being a celebrity is, you know, you're kind of more protected against outcomes like that. Now, um, so Manson went to prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, he stood trial. He was convicted um, for, I'm looking at actually right now, nine counts of murder and one count of conspiracy to commit murder. Um, I'm assuming that was for a botched murder. Mm. And so it's like I was saying earlier, like you can, you don't have to be the one that pulls the trigger to get a murder conviction, right? Yeah. Um, if, if you kind of caused it to happen. It's kind of the the difference between you know first degree and second degree and third degree murder, manslaughter, involuntary manslaughter. It all really adds up to the same thing. But Nick actually kind of looked into what happened after he got locked yeah. up. Yeah. He he did stay locked up until he died, um, and uh, I believe he like maybe got some marriages and divorces and stuff like that. But Nick, would you like to go into that? Sure, I can start off right at the. Uh I can either do which one sounds more interesting uh, his first interview after being locked up or his wife when he was 80, which one sounds more interesting to you? One of them, spicy, the one where it's his wife when she was 80, um, that's hot off the heels of the conviction. It starts there. That's where the timeline starts for that one. Start at the beginning. Sure. Yeah. So Afton star Burton, this is credit goes to uh, all things interesting.com is where I got my research from. Uh, as soon as um, Manson was convicted, she was 17 at the time. Okay. And then at 26, she already thought she was engaged to him. She was born in Bunker Hill, Illinois in 1988 in this, you know, small town with absolutely nothing to do. So in 2007, she took $2,000 in her savings and left for, uh, how do you say this? Corcoran, uh, California. Um, and a lot of people have cited that she looks a lot like Susan Atkins, and that's why he kind of uh, fancied her a little bit. Um, the first contact she, the first you know thing she had uh, for Manson was his environmental view of uh, Atwa or A T W A, which is air, trees, water, and animals, and that kind of got her uh, on the mindset. Um, and oddly enough, this is going to sound really weird to you all, but her relationship with her parents never you know it it was fine they had a really healthy relationship despite the fact that they were devout baptists and knew what manson did Uh, he said the dad said while he hates manson he didn't want to ruin their relationship with his daughter uh her dad her dad believes um (laughs) that the relationship with his child is more important than um (laughs) who she's hanging around with so a big stark contrast to a lot of what we've seen so far with, you know, Ed Gein. And uh, we've we alluded to a lot of other serial killers who come from religious backgrounds and their parents having really weird views. This is a, a little bit weird in the opposite way. And what would your parents say if you were like, yeah, I'm going to go date that serial killer. <laughs> what would your parents do? Uh, They would probably... <laughs> be very very concerned and uh i don't know man that's just like not something that anybody would do so i can't even think about a hypothetical (laughs) 
he said it he really just so like, want to disown his daughter. I think I think, with the moms. Would, I think with the mom. Call me would think I'm crazy, and they <laughs> try and see, have me seek help, which would be understandable. I would be in the same boat if I had kids. My my parents were always very concerned with who I ended up marrying, mm-hmm. and so um, I think that they would find something like that. Now you do have to consider that we are all male, and so oh, I think yeah. the standards, True. especially in a lot of families, are different between males and females. Um, I think males get more leeway, really, with this kind of stuff. Yeah. But with that said, my parents were always very deeply concerned with my choice in marriage. Hmm. And um, there's a lot of reasons. It's cultural and everything else, and I don't fault them. But let's say I you know, found myself a lovely woman serial killer who was in jail <laughs> for life. I am pretty sure that they would not support that decision. Yeah. I, think I can't see how anybody yeah. would. I mean, like, that's such a crazy idea. Like, I don't know why you would... I mean, it, it. I would be worried more for the safety of this young woman than for my relationship with my child, you know? <laughs> like, I mean, I value her safety more than I value... I, I mean, I don't know. I I would suppose I valued her... I would value her safety more than I would value her relationship with me. Like, if she hates me, is she, is she safe and she hates me? It's better than being unsafe and loving me, in my opinion. But. What is that argument even like? Yeah, I don't know because I, mean, I mean, honestly, yeah. it's like it's like, Daddy, you're not gonna go get like you're not gonna go let me marry a serial killer who murdered <laughs> some of the most famous people to ever be murdered in history. Why don't you understand me? <laughs> like, what? He's so accomplished. <laughs> yeah, he's like the dad was like, I'm he's not gonna be famous, the first one to Daddy. fly out. <laughs> um, she actually treated him very well. Um. You know, she wasn't the only one who was obsessed with him and uh, with with Manson. And so, you know, he would receive a lot of other money and gifts from adoring fans. And she took it upon herself to kind of uh, deviate uh, or not deviate, but uh, divvy it up and, you know, make sure everything was categorized and organized. Uh, Her big plan was to get the (laughs) was to get the legal rights to his corpse so that she could put it on display uh, in a glass crypt for profit. Uh, they even got so far as to get the marriage license, but it expired in 2015. Um, she never really did get the rights to his corpse, and because um, he kept leading them on. He eventually figured out that, you know, uh, she just wants his uh, corpse. But another thing that we've talked about is he has a very big God complex. Manson never thought he was going to die. So he thought the idea in the first place was really stupid because I'm not going to die. There's going to be no corpse for this woman to have. Um, oh. So and then he died in uh, 2017 at the age of 23 and she never got uh, the the rights to it. Um, the next thing. Well, the first thing I watched chronologically, but the next thing I, I researched. Well, one thing. One oh, thing, yeah. One thing. Manson did not die at the age of 23. No, 83. Uh, Sorry. Why did I say 20? 83. 83. I was a little confused. No, I was like, Wait, no. Who are we talking about again? Yeah. So just it's when you good, edit, just good. go. He died at the age of eighty-three. Eighty-three. <laughs> no, he died at eighty-three in twenty eighteen due to uh, natural causes, I believe. It was like gastrointestinal bleeding, but there's like no foul play or drugs or anything like that. He just kind of died. Um. The the first thing I uh, researched uh, chronologically was I watched an interview. Uh, this was from sixty minutes Australia, 
and it was his first interview after being in prison. So he was still young, and he that's when he started getting the beard and the long hair because they didn't want him changing his appearance. So he never got, uh, you know, a haircut or a beard trim because they didn't want him changing. So from then on, he always had that, you know, that's the look that he had. Um, if you look at other pictures of him when he's younger, he's actually kind of good looking. That's part of the problem is he was good looking. <laughs> You'll find that yep. with a lot of serial killers. The charismatic ones. I anyway. noticed that. I saw a picture of him when he was younger and it was like, that's a good looking fella. This guy fella. was actually a good looking dude. Yeah. He's actually really handsome. Charismatic and you handsome. <laughs> Some a deadly combination. <laughs> especially if you're Sharon Tate. Especially if you're uh, uh, say if three handsome podcasts. <laughs> Like <laughs> insane and want to yeah. program people into your cult and do your bidding. And it's a very bad combination. Uh, yeah. Well, see, here's the thing is that I actually am very charismatic, um, much like Manson. Mm. And so uh, I'm going to use my charismatic voodoo on you to go to funteamevents.com slash podcast and book a team events. Yes, sir. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise. I will see you in prison where you will be dividing up my mail to make sure it is all situated correctly for the day that I leave because I can serve 63 life sentences and never die. Fuck. <laughs> oh, my this gosh. This day we remember uh, Pope. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I really like doing that voice. It just hurts my throat so bad. Um <laughs> Oh my god! You know what? I might do a new outro audio that's actually in the Manson voice, just to overplay a joke. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> There's okay, no so such what was thing, the thing as beating a dead horse if the horse never dies. <laughs> oh my god! It will never die. So, <laughs> the I, horse is a god. <laughs> um, and actually, it's the horse that I will ride in on when the apocalypse and revelations happens and fire and brimstone, uh, uh, something or other. We we will live in the bottomless pit in Death Valley. <laughs> And you will look up at the horse, and his name will be Charlie. Uh, yeah, dude, that's amazing. I love it. I love doing like the whole freestyle Charles. Crazy, Manson. yeah. They really do sound like him because he's just insane. <laughs> um, but okay, so we have the we have the woman that was going to take his corpse. What was the other thing? Um, so that was that was her that was her uh, her story. Um, Afton Star Burton. Uh, she's not that famous because you know. He never really, uh, what you call it? He never, they never went in with the marriage. So it wasn't like, uh, a big thing. The, the, the thing that I watched was the first, uh, interview that he did after he got convicted and it was in jail. It's really scary. Actually. Um, I didn't watch the full, uh, hour long one cause it was on 60 minutes Australia and they had like, uh, 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 the, the most important 20 minutes of it. It starts off with him not wanting to sit in a chair because he doesn't want to look up at anybody. He's like, I'm not going to sit in that chair because I don't want to look up at you. Um, he And then if you look at the first time he was convicted, he was convicted and sent to he was sentenced to the gas chamber. But then uh-huh. right after that, uh, I think California, they changed the death penalty to where he wasn't going to be sent to the gas chamber. And he was asked if he was happy that he wasn't going to die. And he said he knew he wasn't going to die because he did nothing wrong. Um, and then he's asked, are you scared to die? And he said, I'm scared to live. Dying is easy. Oh my uh, God. And he loves the world he lives in because it's him. Uh, <laughs> and he was like, uh, what do you feel about pain? And he said, pain is good. It teaches you things. 
So he's one of those crazy guys that likes pain. So he can't handle the maniacs outside. That's why they were like, hey, what are you going to do if you get out there? And he said, you you beg to stay inside. And he's like, I can't handle the maniacs out there. So he has to stay in jail. Um, and he was asked, so why are you saying the maniacs out there when people think you're a maniac? And this is one of his famous uh, Mansonisms. He says, if... Uh, He's a reflection of your negative. If you hold up a negative to the light, all you see is the negative. He says, I'm playing for my life. You're playing for uh, playing for money. Um, and then the reporter, I forget his name. He's very famous. Um, but he said, if you ever get out there, are you going to start killing again? And he said, again, he never killed in the first place. Hmm. And then he asked the question, when do you know you're guilty? He said, when you feel guilty. By the way, I, I know it sounds like I'm disconnecting everything. I'm just kind of trying to give you all the important stuff. Mm-hmm. I said, did you kill anyone? No. And did you cut the uh, ear off of the other guy? I said, yes. I said, you do what I say. Tired of being told what to do. Helter Skelter is a comedy. Uh, it's make-believe. Um, so that's the famous book that, or was that a saying that he had? Because I didn't look into Helter Skelter. I just, it's, so how- yeah. Helter Skelter was kind of the name of his philosophy. It was mm. also a song by the Beatles. I know that part. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was kind of the name of his philosophy, but it was later um, used for the book by the uh, prosecuting mm. uh, counsel in his court case. Okay. Well, he says he was convicted before he even came into the courtroom. Uh, he said the media, they, uh, the media convicted him and they did anything to get that dollar bill. I mean, they're probably not wrong, or he probably wasn't wrong. Yeah, you know, they probably, uh, as we <laughs> try to discuss this fully 3D human being, <laughs> uh, the media did portray him. Because uh, if you watch the interview, both, um, what's her name, Diane Sawyer and this other guy, whose name I absolutely forget, all they do is keep uh, negging him and, and asking about uh, the LaBiancas, um and all the killings are like, why were you in that house? He kept, they kept grilling stuff like that. They never asked him, you know, regular, you know, regular questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're trying to, they're I mean, trying but to spin if you're sitting in a room with Charles fucking Manson, yeah. are you going to ask him what his favorite, you know, casserole is like, yeah. no, dude, I want to know why they wrote war on La Bianca's chest. The fuck? That's, or against who? That's Why? the hardest thing. He never answers the questions. All he does is put the blame off on others. Like um, like that one quote I was telling you from the Diane Sawyer one where he says, um, come together over me right now. It's all his fault. No, it's all his fault. We put another false face on. It's Halloween. It's your fault. So now I wait a minute. So criminal behavior is the same. It's mundane in most minds. Criminal will always go to a familiar place. So... <laughs> He always puts it off on someone else. Even in this first interview, he's like, you put all this fear on one little guy, you know? They're afraid that when I go out there, but I'm just one little guy. <laughs> he was a little guy too, man. He was 5'6". He was as tall as me. <laughs> he was 5'6"? He's a, he was 5'6". He's a little dude. Damn. So, yeah. it goes on to tall. be a lot of other stuff. Um, he said he went to reform school and learned everything, how to do in reform school, went to prison, learned how to do everything in prison. Uh, and then this is where he, he also did say he tried something else, and that is being sincere and honest. Sincerity and honesty will trick them. 
Um, he said he read the Bible and asked God if he would forgive him. It said God had said to save yourself. Uh, then the last thing it said before the uh, the interview ended was, you have any scores to settle? He says, I don't rightly know. I'm kind of stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Way final thing go. I researched was uh, Atwa by System of a Down. So it's, again, the air, trees, water, and animals. Um, so I think... Let me get your opinion on this. The first line you see is, Hey, you see me. Pictures crazy. All the world I've seen before me passing by. I don't know why they call it. Yeah. So you've heard the song. Is it about Manson? I mean, they, they claim it to be about his philosophy, but it sounds more like it's about Manson in prison from his perspective. Well, see, so here's the thing about System of a Down that's important to remember Mm. is I don't know what the song is about, but the problem with System is that a lot of songs are nonsensical. Yeah. Um, And so it's fully possible that it's about Manson. It's fully possible that it's about what he had for dinner last night. (laughs) I mean, they have a literal song where the entire song was based on a quote that, like, one of his cousins said, you know, about not eating the fish, right? Like, it's... I didn't know because so they it's also really have. Hard to tell. They have really do. They they also have like other heavy songs that make a lot of sense, like BYOB, and then the uh, the song about the American industrial prison system. Yeah, uh, um, toxicity. So I mean, I mean some of them make sense. They're Maybe not always nonsensical, yeah. but I, I will say though that if you're writing a song about Manson or at least inspired by Manson, yeah. completely makes sense to make it nonsensical. Oh, yeah. <laughs> about me. Yeah, I can't feel you anymore. You know, like, yeah, that was a great song, but um, that is a really great song. I never knew that it was supposedly about Manson. That's that's interesting. Or yeah. at least inspired by him. I thought it was all the world around, but it's actually the air, trees, water, animals, because Darren, Ma- uh, Darren Malekian, the... The guitarist. the guitarist is the first one that I heard of who said, you know, the media portrays Manson and only shows the negative side. So I think that's what uh, caught my ear that there are different sides to this guy. Maybe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I think that that's something to take away from this is that, like, while it's really interesting to mm-hmm. hear about people and the things that they do and to talk about them and try to psychoanalyze them. Um, at the same time, it's always good to remember that, um, you know, Manson, despite the things that he said in interviews and stuff like that, he did have an internal life. Yeah. And um, we just, the thing about it is we don't get to know that. Yeah. You know what I mean? We don't get yeah. to know, like, the thing about, like, I ask God for forgiveness and stuff like that. We don't get to know if that ever actually happened. True. Um, and that's that's with everybody from Charles Manson to, you know, the people recording this podcast right now. You know what I mean? Like you just, you don't get to know that stuff. Um, it's very interesting, but what's even more interesting is that, uh, we have run out of time, my friends. Wow. <laughs> it's crazy. We're going to get a lot of comments. Like, wow. Original Nick spoke for more than 10 minutes. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Um, so, all right. So, uh, before we get out of here, of course, Noah. Do you have any shout outs? Anything uh, you want to you want to say to uh, the world? Um, not really. I mean, I don't know. It's just very. It. I feel like we could do a second episode about Manson because it's just like there's so much more that we haven't even talked about. You know. 
But uh, let's do a revisit in like a month or two. Yeah, Ooh, let's come nice, back. To yeah, because cool. I think it'd be interesting to talk about like the cult, the whole cult aspect of it, because that's what really intrigued me about it. Yeah, we didn't even really go that much into it. It's a shame. Um, um, shout out wise, not really. No, I mean, uh, I I haven't really had time to stream or or do any video related stuff lately. But you know, yeah, twitch.tv slash Noah C Fisher. <laughs> that's about it. Not only that. But Noah hasn't been exactly feeling good lately. He had something happen, and he wasn't feeling good. And uh, he told me before the podcast started that the best way to make him feel better is five stars on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> um, so uh, one, one five-star review equals one prayer. Yes. Um, all right. <laughs> one good vibe. One good vibe. One good vibe. It equals one good vibe. <laughs> no, uh, excuse me. God dang it. Nick, um, any shout-outs? Uh, I don't really have anything right now. I think, um, you know, I would rather uh, all those listeners out there, if I can just get really close to the microphone, if all those listeners out there would give us a, a big old share, a big old kiss um, with the share button, that'd be great. One share equals one kiss from original Nick. Uh, I'm married, so you're. it'd be like a, a, a friendly kiss, like a French. Platonic, like, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, like on the, on the, not a French yeah. kiss, but on the cheek kiss, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> on the cheek. And also... The share kiss has the advantage of being uh, COVID safe. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that's really good. So, yes, uh, I'm sure you guys are getting the point. Go out there, share our stuff. We we put a lot of work and effort into this, and we would really love to obviously see it continue to grow as it has been, which has been wonderful. Um, beyond that, as far as my shout-outs, um, uh, on February 1st, Beetlemilk.com is reopening with the biggest community collaboration we've ever done. Uh, it's going to be absolutely fabulous. 11 designs. Um, me and Tatiana actually are doing no drops for our clothing line. We are just going to let the fans take it over. Uh, it's all fans doing their designs. Um, beyond that, um, make sure you go to uh, twitch.tv slash Noah C. Fisher. Make sure you check out Laura Cast on YouTube. Uh, that's Original Nick's other project. And then, um, yeah. That's about all I have uh, on that subject. So thank you once again for listening to Macabre Masters. We will back, be back sometime with something else, and we will talk to you again soon. But until then, uh, stay safe, stay true, and... Give Pope a sacrificial hand job. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Give me a sacrificial hand job. <laughs> Dude, oh my God, I love that movie. Go watch Live Freaky, Die Freaky. It's so good. Oh my God. Shut up, woman. Tell me your name so I know who to, whose name to shout out when I fill you with multiple gigantic loads. Oh, we should do a cover. We should do a cover of Mechanical Man. Dude, what a great one. Okay, bye everybody. Bye bye.